Alright, alright, here we go. It's episode 44 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is the NBA edition. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by NBA betting expert, got Mackenzie Rivers in the house. You guys can find him as well at Mac and Rivers. You guys can go ahead and get us at pregame.com. Alright guys, here we go. Uh, NBA Finals Game 1. Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead and we'll preview this. We went ahead, we, we wrote down a bunch of bets that we, that we liked. And we're going to go ahead, we're going to give you guys all of those. Before we do that, I do want to go ahead and talk a little bit uh, about Mackenzie and I NBA season that we're having because Mackenzie, I never do this, but I think maybe it's time that you know we, we at least pound our chest a little bit. You know, you're up like 52 or 53 units on the year. I'm up like 32, 33 units on the year uh, combined. You know, for both of us this NBA season, we're up like 85 units. Uh, it's it's hard to find two guys that work together. You know, every day that that do podcasts, especially like NBA podcasts that having that type of season and, and I think it's important that the people that you know listen to our podcast understand that you know we, we we go through the work every day and and you and I and we sit and we talk and we text and and we really iron everything out and if you guys missed the first podcast Mackenzie and I did uh, go ahead and listen to that with NBA finals preview as we kind of make the sausage and talk through a lot of things there and that's how we came up with a lot of our bets today uh, I do want to go ahead and mention real quick that pregame.com right now has a 20% off coupon it's MLB 20, and I'll let you guys in on a little secret that it's not just for Major League Baseball. You can get Griffin Warner's baseball. You can get A.J. Hoffman's UFC. You can get Steve Fezzik's USFL, WNBA, CFL, whatever you guys want. So the coupon code's MLB 20, but it's not just for Major League Baseball. You can use that on any sport. Make sure you guys go over to pregame.com. As I mentioned, Mackenzie and I kicking butt in the NBA, and we hope that you know, we can make you guys some money. So, Mackenzie, I did a little chest pounding, and I did a little coupon giveaway right within the first two minutes. What do you think about that? I love it. I love the false humility where you're saying, I'm up about 30-some. Mackenzie's up about 50-some. You texted me the exact units like a few minutes ago. You know you know what's going on. But, yeah, this has been a great season, uh, 56.6% on all plays. By the way, don't just do NBA. It was 57% in the NFL. So yeah, let's make some money. Let's keep it going. Uh, I'll say this. If you would have asked me before the season, if you had your druthers and you could have any team you want in the finals, I probably would have said, obviously, the Warriors. Love the Warriors for years. I think they're underrated, always, almost. And probably the Celtics. Maybe the Nets would have been in there, but the Celtics would have been a close second or third because this is the first time in NBA history, or I think the first time since the 90s. Yeah, that's right. That's the stat. The first time since 1996 that the top two scorers on each of the finals teams were both drafted by that team and played all their years with that team. This is how you want to see it. This is why you can look at these teams and look at their series stats over the years, and it actually matters because Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry were in all those games. Jalen Brown, Al Horford for a lot of those years, Marcus Smart for a lot of those years, and Jason Tatum were in all those games. We know this matchup much better than some of these super teams thrown together. So it's been a really fun season. Obviously happy with the success. And let's keep it going. I was rooting for the Nets to go ahead and make it because I wanted to see Curry against KD and see how that all kind of unfolded. I did not expect Boston to be here. That was a team that I overlooked in the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, and, and coming down the stretch. You know, you were somebody that convinced me, like, Sleepy, you're going to have to wake up, dude. Like, Boston's pretty damn good. You know, they have a good roster. They're, they're going to make a run in the playoffs. And then I finally come around to that team and be like, you know what? They are pretty damn good. On this podcast, I recommended 15 to 1 to win the East. And I said there's probably some value at 30 to 1 to win the finals. Not to pat on my back too much, but 
I'm kind of happy that I didn't give out 30 to 1. 15 to 1 to win the East. Perfect. Wrap it up. Now their dog's in the finals. Couldn't have worked out better for that bet. Well, I certainly pat you on the back for that prediction. Now we got to make a bunch here, McKenzie. I want to go ahead. I want to start out with your best bet. Now we went ahead and we gave this out on the last podcast. So I do want to go ahead and give that out here. So everybody go ahead and get that. So your best bet going into the NBA finals. What are you looking at? My best bet for the NBA finals is not for game one, but rather for the series. Steph Curry, Stephen Curry, Wardell Stephen Curry, plus 110 to win finals MVP. Now, I just said the Warriors were underrated. Why do I say that? Our understanding of basketball in the analytics community largely, but also just writ large, has changed a lot during this Warriors dynasty and the way the game has changed a lot. So not only is our understanding permanently changing, but the actual game is permanently changing. That's why it makes it fun. You can never really pin it down. But going back all the way to 2014, I'm going to talk about how Steph Curry is underrated still, historically, Uh on straight out of Vegas, AJ Hoffman threw the argument out there: top five all time. I'm not quite there. I'm very close. I think he's right in that conversation. I mean, let's look at him and Bird for example. They both score about the same per game. Curry gets a little more assists. Bird obviously more rebounds, but Curry has the responsibility of bringing the ball up. Both played 13 seasons and won three chips so far. Yeah, he's right there. He's done. He's 25 a game in the finals with better true shooting than anybody. He's done all the stuff that you need to do. And he's never really gotten the credit because he's six feet and uh, he's got that baby face. You know, he missed, he's never really been, I think, not before yesterday. I mean, obviously, I've been saying this uh, for years that he's the catalyst for the best offense we've ever seen. So, yeah, he's one of the top players of all time. But before yesterday, I don't think I ever heard a top 10 conversation on any of these airwaves. And now it's it was the conversation yesterday and today. Well, actually, I guess on these airwaves, you did hear that, uh, Sleepy, you were talking about on the last podcast, how that conversation was going to start. We didn't even have to wait for the finals. That already started. And when you're a six-time finalist, I think it's deserved. So going back to the beginning of this dynasty, I'm going to work it around why he's going to win the finals MVP at plus 110. Uh, we didn't really look at basketball from a impact perspective. We looked at basketball statistically from a box score perspective per which is a great stat by John Hollinger, kind of sums up the box score in one number. It spits it out. And almost every year, that's the MVP, the top per guy, player efficiency rating. And it's a really good stat, but it doesn't really care what the score of the game is. I do, as a better. That's what I think the most important players really care about. So if you look at impact stat, and Dunks and Threes is a great website. Let me shout out Amin Hassan for shouting out Dunks and Threes as this community grows and you know smart people learn from smart people. Uh, I've been looking at this site, Dunks and Threes, which has a great stat. They say it's the best all-in-one metric, uh, better than Raptor that, that 538 does, better than BPM, better than uh, ESPN's Real Plus Minus, although those are those are fine stats because they have the same mentality, which is what does the score effect happen when this guy's on and off the court? So by the, this metric, and they do offense and defensive rating separately, Steph Curry's been by far the best player of the last decade. It's not even been close. So let's go through the numbers. In 2014, 2013-14, season ending in 14, I don't think anyone was talking about Curry as a top five player. By this metric, dunks and threes, EPM, which is estimated points of value, Curry was number two in the NBA. Only LeBron James was better. Offensively, he was number three. LeBron James and Kevin Durant was better. And Kevin Durant had a bad defensive year that year, so he actually jumped to number two in total EPM. Points added. Well before, this is when... Back when Bill Simmons was saying Blake Griffin 
was the third best player in the NBA. Like we're all looking for that. Okay, it's KD and LeBron and then who? Marcus Aldridge was in that conversation. These players were not close <laughs> to Stephen Curry, but we didn't know that yet. We weren't, we weren't, uh, our third eye wasn't open to that, as Amino Hassan would say. Okay, so I'm going to read offensively only, and total is very close to this. Sometimes he's one, sometimes he's two, but offensively is obviously his game. It's most impressive. Uh, he's about an average defensive player, actually. So his estimated points to defensive value this whole run since the 2013-14 uh, season, about average, 0.7 per game up, plus 0.7 points per game defensively. Offensively, he's been plus seven and a half, by far the best. But year by year is what really stunned me. So 2013-14, third on offense. 2015, 2014-15, their first championship run. They were 28 to one, shocked everybody, won the championship. If you're looking at this site, maybe you would have, you would have said, hey, 28 to one has value. He was number one in the NBA. Next year was a 71 year, number one in the NBA. Offensive estimated points added. He was at 9.2 that 71 year. 71 season, just on offense. He added nine points to your team if your team was average. That's how this metric works. 2017, he was number one. That's the year they got KD. Didn't matter. Selfless. Team is that much better when he's on the court. Number one. 2018, number one. 2019, he was number two. Then he missed all of 2019-20 except for five games. Last year, we were talking about on straight out of Vegas, well, he didn't have a lot of uh, success. They didn't make the playoffs, even though he led the league in scoring. I actually think that is exactly what the best players should do. When your team needs it more, you got to put more shots up. And unfortunately for them, it was you know slightly off year. They missed Clay, and they they barely missed the playoffs, losing to the Grizzlies at home in the play-in tournament. But still, if you look at this metric, we're just saying how much better is your team with you on and off the court on offense? Plus seven and a half. He was number one in the NBA last year. This year, regular season, there was a couple injuries. He was number five. It was about, it was kind of an off regular season. So in the playoffs, he's kind of been Steph Curry though. Uh, kind of shaking off some of that midseason rust. So if you add it all together, on average, his average ranking since 2013-14, you're throwing out 2019-20 because, hey, he missed the whole season. So that's eight seasons. His average ranking is 1.8. That means he was one a lot. He was number one a lot. And he was number two just enough times to make it 1.8. If you just throw out this season, that's 1.4. That means he was number one more often than he was two or three to enough degree where he was pretty much on average, the best offensive player in the NBA by some margin. I think we're woken up to this fact talking about this series and people say Marcus Smart has done great on him. He really hasn't. He put up Curry, put up 47 on him a few games ago. He had that one game where he scored three because he got hurt in the first quarter. Marcus Bart rolled over him, but the Celtics actually don't. I've talked about this before. Do that great of a job on point guards, not because they don't have good defenders, but because they do, they switch everything. They're the switchiest team in the NBA. That means war- that means Curry's not going to be doubled as much. That means he's getting shots up. That means he might have another 47-point game. He's had some great games, uh, even against a defender as good as Marcus Smart. But I just think big picture, from how disrespected or how unknown, really, Curry was when he was the number three player in the league, only behind KD and LeBron by this metric in 2013-14, to winning the championship and what was the motto? Strength in numbers. Yeah, the strength in numbers because Curry allows average players like 20 feet of space. Draymond Green is wide open the entire game, every game. A lot of players can do decently with that kind of scenario. So if you look at his impact, and that's what I think that we're starting to do as NBA statisticians and fans and media observers, he's just been way better than he's been given credit for. And he's done good against the Celtics recently. 
And the Celtics play a style that's, that's going to allow him to, I think, to have uh, good performances. And I don't think he needs great performances because I think this is narrative-based. If Clay Thompson averages you know, slightly more points than him, people are going to say, yeah, but this the Steph is the straw that stirs the drink. And with Jordan Poole taking away from Thompson's shot attempts, I mean, we saw in the Maverick series, he's only shooting like 15 times a game. He, his shot attempts have gone down, Clay Thompson's has, every series. I just don't see another player that's going to win it. Draymond Green scores about eight points a game. If the Warriors win, I'm confident. There, I don't see a scenario that there's another Finals MVP, especially because if you ask most NBA fans, especially you know lovers of the game, guys that know the box score stats, guys that know uh, you know 1971, you know Kareem, how good he was. I don't know if there's a bigger travesty in NBA Finals MVP voting than Andre Iguodala winning it. And the only reason was it was the brand, the brand of LeBron James. The season was about LeBron James. And this unfortunate scenario where his players are hurt, he's going up against, I mean, Kyrie was hurt, Kevin Love was hurt, LeBron James was going to have to do everything himself. So yeah, the the post game was going to be about LeBron James too. So the 10 NBA voters decided Andre Iguodala scored about 15 a game, he did really good, had some memorable plays, hey, we're going to give it to Andre Iguodala. Curry scores 25 a game and they win comfortably the last three games of the season and they don't give it to him. Let me, let me ask you a question, if he... If he would have scored 30 a game and played badly, played like suboptimally, and they squeak by in seven, he probably gets that finals MVP. Is that right? Does that make sense? Like if he takes more shots than he stood and he plays worse, but he scores more points and they win closer rather than winning by a lot, you don't want to win by a little. You want to win by as many points as possible and make it easy. That's the point of all sports, of all competition. If he plays worse than he would have won it, I think that didn't make sense at the time. And I think the voters are going to correct that mistake uh, years later. And even if he's slightly worse statistically, which I don't think is likely, I think Curry's impact will be the story of this season and the series if they win. So that's my best bet. Curry plus 110. Another little bonus I like. Some sharp books recently in the last 24 hours has moved it to minus 110. Circa, for example, is now minus 110. DraftKings is at plus 110. That's my best bet. Curry to win finals MVP. All right. Well, you said a mouthful there, McKenzie. I didn't know we were going to talk about... Curry top 10, but that was brought up on the radio show and we brought that up on the podcast. So uh, I'm just guessing, Mackenzie, that during that conversation today on Straight Out of Vegas about the Curry top five topic, that you were probably sitting back there, sitting on your hands, that you didn't press the button because you were dying to get on the microphone. It sounds <laughs> like you were well prepared. And if you weren't well prepared today, you prepared very well for that tonight. You made a, a lot of great cases. Uh, with Igadala. I think that there were moments, and you said he had moments, and, and that's exactly what I think it takes to win the MVP. You better have moments. You better have a big moment or two in that entire series, You know, whether it's, it's a game-winning shot, uh, like LeBron had that, that big game-winning block or whatever he had. Like You better have some moments. I think those are just as important as you know putting up 30 points. Like If you're the reason why you won the game, then that's going to reflect, I think, with, with some of these, you know, the voters. And you know some of the voters, they just look at the box score at the end of the day, so uh, we can discredit some of those guys. But as far as Curry top 10, I'm not sure he's there yet, McKenzie, but he's definitely in the conversation. And look, these are the conversations that we're going to have with, you know, the greatest players in the league. Here's where they're at, and here's where they can end up being. He's con he's going to continue to, to build his resume. Curry has a lot of years left under his belt. Uh, I think that we could agree 
that the greatest shooter of all time is probably going to end up in the top 10 NBA players all time at some point. It's going to happen. And the reason why I said, you know, if he wins a title that we're all going to be hearing about is Steph Curry top five NBA all time, you know, come Monday morning quarterback shows is because they have nothing else to talk about. So AJ beat everybody to the punch, you know, credit to him. He's way ahead of the market on that. I think it's a little a little while away before, you know, Curry goes ahead and uh, makes his case as a top five NBA player. In my opinion, McKenzie, he's going to finish as a top five NBA player. I think there's a good chance he wins four, five, six titles. I think he gets up there with MJ. Uh, maybe he goes ahead and he makes a couple lateral moves later on in his career uh, to go ahead and, and, and get, you know, right up there with MJ. So that's where I think he'll be. He's that good, and he makes he makes a world of a difference. As far as your pick here on Curry MVP for the series, I don't think I can go any other way because I believe there's a high probability he leads in points, and there's a very high probability that he leads in moments. We've seen Curry throughout these playoffs have moments. We've seen him in the past have moments, and we've seen him put up a lot of points. If the Warriors win the title, it's going to be because of Steph Curry. And I was sitting on my hands today, McKenzie, too, uh, on the opposite side, not being able to, you know, interact with that conversation today about Steph Curry top five. But one of the conversations that was brought up is that his points have come down and, and things of that nature. I think that's going to happen because this team was put together. So Steph Curry didn't have to do everything. Uh, you have an Andrew Wiggins there. You have a Jordan Poole there. You still have Clay. So Curry has to share the ball. And one of the things that I believe that helps this Warriors team with all those guys on the floor it completely spaces the floor and it makes things easier for the other guys. These guys are uh, spot up shooters, three point shooters. The more space you give them, the more deadly they are. So Curry's numbers are going to come down. And I believe that the way this team has been constructed has led to Curry's numbers coming down slightly, but that is the reason why they're here. Let me just add this real quick. Cause you're kind of right, but I really didn't crystallize for me until actually a few hours after the show where I'm like, Oh, that would have been the perfect thing to say. Cause we were getting into the numbers a lot with stuff and, I love that SOV straight out of Vegas is an analytically based show. I'm an analytically based person. And sometimes it's difficult to talk about, you know, small differences between the best of the best using, you know, points per game from 30 years ago. So I'm thinking, th throw the stats out. And I put this out on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. You can get sleepy at sleepy J underscore pregame on Twitter. The triangle worked because of MJ and Kobe. The Warriors work because of Steph Curry. It really is that simple. I mean, this is a very unique offensive style, just like the triangle was. With not a lot of pick and roll, not a lot of players bunched together. That has only worked because of the talents of Steph Curry. I think people are realizing that, and that's why he's going to win the MVP. All right, so a lot of positive there, McKenzie, with Steph Curry. Let me go ahead and give you a little bit of negative, though. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play him under his points in game one, under 27 and a half. My reasoning is pretty simple. I think Boston may throw some double teams at him. If Marcus Smart has been in the news about you're the guy who has to deal with Steph Curry, he's going to take that as a challenge. And the defensive player of the year is not going to go out there and get run over and give up 40 points to Steph Curry. I just do not believe that that's going to happen. And if they do decide to go ahead and double team him, I believe that there's a good chance, and we've seen this in the playoffs, where Curry goes ahead and he's more of a distributor. Not only that, I think that there's a high probability that the Golden State Warriors look to get the ball to Clay, get the ball to Wiggins, get the ball to Poole and Looney, where it's just not all Steph Curry to where Boston can go, boy, they gave us every single look that we could ever have asked for. 
with Steph Curry in game one. Now we know how to defend him. So I think they look to disguise Curry a little bit and use the other guys. There's no way that they want to go into game one and have Wiggins getting three or four shots or pool maybe like four or five shots or Clay being limited. Like everybody needs to get their touches. And I think that that's something that uh, Draymond does very well. He gets the ball to everybody. But I believe Boston's going to do everything that they can to kind of slow Curry down here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play his points under 27 and a half. I kind of like that one quite a bit. Uh, Not my best bet. I do have a best bet. And actually, I'll give that out at the end of the pod. So we'll make everybody listen to go ahead and get that best bet. So I'll give that one out. So let's wrap up the Curry talk there, McKenzie. It was a good, let's just say it was a good podcast so far. Uh, talking about Curry and, and everything that we thought about him. Let me just ask you a question on Curry, and particularly what you started off your uh, your bet with, because I don't disagree with it. I think I think it might be I think it might be right. Is it a negative to go under your points total? Like, yes, generally you want to score points, but think about all the different ways you can win an under bet. It's not player played bad. Player to win an over bet, player played good. That's what happened. Player played good or player played a lot of minutes. Those are the two things that you can win over bet. Over bet. But if you play great, a lot of times you're not playing much in the fourth quarter. Curry hits four threes in the third, and Jordan Poole gets going because they're starting to double Curry in the third. And uh, they might win this game by 20, and he might not get that over just because he played so well. That's the point of the impact metric I was talking about, where these box score stats, uh, they want you to get a lot of stuff. They don't want your team to play well. I want your team to play well. So I don't mind this bet at all at 26 and a half. Uh, I do feel like, what do the Celtics know about the Warriors? Uh, they know what the Warriors have been. The newness of this iteration of the Warriors, I don't think they're as prepared for game plan wise or just mentality wise. So that's Jordan Poole, that's Kevon Looney, that's Andrew Wiggins. The, what they know best is how Steph Curry has killed them recently, you know, over the years or has done well against them. So I don't mind this bet at all. I think he can win finals MVP and average 25 a game, even though he didn't do that in 2015. I love the fact that you asked me that because I believe that that's going to be one of the things that if he wins the MVP and they win the title, that the media is going to go ahead and they're going to pound home. It's not going to be the points per game only. Now, look, could he go out there and score 34 points, 33 points a game? Sure, he could. He's Steph Curry. But I believe it's going to be the assists. I believe it's going to be the rebounds. I believe it's going to be any of the steals and all that stuff like that, and and maybe even the lack of turnovers. I believe they're going to look at at the body of work because he's completely changed from – you know, the guy that he is today to the guy that he was years back because this team has completely changed. So uh, I, I believe the conversation is going to be about the entire body of work and all the other things that he's doing. He does not need to go out there and score 27, 28 points in game one in order for them to win and for him to look great. He could easily be the best player on the floor, you know, with 24 points, uh, eight rebounds and, and seven assists and a couple steals or something like that. Easily the best player on the floor. So uh, I, I think Boston will throw everything at him to slow him down, and he's going to find the other ways that he's been doing throughout these playoffs and, and go through and look at what he's doing, uh, rebounding the basketball, assisting the basketball. He's playing out of his mind. He's playing very, very well. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give that out, McKenzie. Steph Curry under 27 and a half points. Don't, don't mind it at all. Last game he was out there, people said he had a bad game, you know, 15 points, 5 for 17. I was watching the game, and I think he had a bad game. They were killing him. He had nine assists. He was letting Jordan Poole work. He was letting Klay Thompson have his uh, renaissance game six type performance, even though it was game five. So a lot of ways to win. Scoring 26 and a half doesn't have to be one of them. Let me ask you this question because we just we just talked about this. In the last game against Dallas when they won, 
Would you agree that Steph Curry had more moments than any other warrior in that game, although he only scored 16 points? Yes. Yes, exactly. Fourth quarter, three threes. That's what I, I remember. That was the feeling of the game. I think I looked at the box. I'm like 15 points, man. It seemed like he was dominating. It seemed like he was the deciding factor. Well, I mean, that that's, that's kind of our point is with Curry is that he's going to get you and he's going to get you with those moments. And, and that's what everybody's going to remember. You know, when he busts that three in your eye and he's dancing around, um, you know, and, and, and they got to call timeout and he's, he's getting the crowd all riled up. So, uh, good stuff on that. Good stuff on Curry there, McKenzie. Uh, but we got a bunch of bets we have to get to here. Let's just keep rolling here. How about this one? I think Golden State has a pretty good chance to go ahead and go over their point total in the first quarter of 26 and a half. This is one of the things that they talked about quite a bit in the Miami series, where Miami was actually pretty good against Boston when they were running the fast break, when they were in transition when they did not allow Boston to go ahead and get set on defense. And when Boston did get set on defense, that is kind of where Miami faltered. This Golden State Warriors team, they like to run. We know that. They have all the guys out there that can run up and down the court, that could shoot threes, pick and pop, Draymond out there, you know, running a well-oiled machine. Here's one thing that I think. Curry kind of wants to get into you mentally. And I believe Curry does too. Don't forget, Curry played with one of the – if not, I, I think he's the best mental player of all time, and that was Michael Jordan. These two guys together, they want to go out there and they want to get in your head as soon as they possibly can. And if Golden State could get out there and they can run and they could put fear into Boston, that's going to go a long way in this series. So I think Golden State looks to run early. They will not let Boston get locked in on defense and let them get set. So I think for maybe like the first five, six, seven minutes of the first quarter, Golden State's going at a feverish pace to where Boston's going, holy smokes, like, here's them boys, and we got to figure it out, and we got to figure it out quick. And by that time, it might just be a little bit too late. So uh, I like Golden State. Not only do I like them in the first quarter, but 26.5 seems a little bit low. And I think if Golden State's running and gunning up and down, uh, that we might actually see a decent amount of foul calls. And if I could get Curry, Clay, or Thompson on, on the charity stripe, uh, I'm going to get some extra points there. So. Uh, I like Golden State first quarter over 26 and a half, McKenzie. I'll go ahead and give that out as one of my other props. What are you looking at? I like that you said uh, early in the game you like high scoring because doing some research here, late in game ones of NBA Finals games, you want to look under. So if these algorithms and the sports books deciding the line are looking at the whole game and one side, one one of the quarters, and they're priced pretty evenly across the board – one of the quarters is historically low scoring. That means the other three quarters have to make up for that difference. So the first quarter over, I don't mind at all. I like the fourth quarter under 53 and a half. Pretty simple handicap here. When you're in the finals, there's a newness to it that especially becomes real, crystallized when you're like, man, we're, we could be big underdogs after this game with everyone talking for two days about how, how we suck, how we gave it away, how we blew it. Or we could win it. We could actually... I mean, we could be one quarter away from our ultimate goal or one fourth of the wins you need away from the ultimate goal. So I ran the numbers. And since 1990, uh, 1991, I started with that NBA finals because I think there's a few finals that this finals reminds me of. And the Bulls coming up, and I don't think Jason Tatum is Michael Jordan, but maybe Jalen Brown is better than Scottie Pippen. I mean, he can shoot a lot better. He can put it on the ground. Yeah, I know he turns it over a lot. I don't know. I hate Scottie. I mean, I'm, I hate. As from a basketball perspective, I think he's way, way overrated, Scottie Pippen. So maybe I shouldn't talk about him too much. But very young team, 
blowing up, had the best season by far on paper, just like the Celtics just did. Uh, you know, excusing the Suns, but that was that's a whole different situation. Best far out of these teams, anyway. And they're a brand new team facing a team that wow, they're still here. The Lakers are still here. They lost Kareem. They're they had to rebuild, but Magic and Worthy, they're doing it again. Very similar storylines. So 1991, I decided to start, but these numbers actually get better more recently. If you look at the game, there's been 191 points scored in these games. You would expect 47 a, 47 a half or 47 a quarter. On average, the fourth quarter, and I didn't take the totals and split it. I just took the total amounts of points scored. Average in the fourth quarter has been 44 points. On average, these quarters are 3.3 points worse than you would expect just looking at the, these actual results of the games. Last five years, by the way, it's been four points. So simple numbers, it just spits out. Hey, you should look at these these games. What's 213 divided by 4, 53 and a half? Well, historically, we got 30 years of data here. That's about four points too high. So like this bet a lot, fourth quarter under 53 and a half. All right, solid wager there, McKenzie. Uh, for those of you guys that listened to the beginning of podcast and didn't skip through to go ahead and find the bets, uh, you will find out that McKenzie went ahead and he did some decent work on why Curry is uh, you know supposed to be regarded as one of the better players in the league all time. And I could tell you just from McKenzie's comments just now that he already has a long prepared statement on why Scottie Pippen is way overrated. <laughs> I do. I, sure. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that. I Oh, quick trivia here, or let me, uh, now you know. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but LeBron James has nine, only nine career blocks against him. Mackenzie, did you know that? I did not know that. And I don't think that's, wait, you're saying LeBron's only been blocked nine times? LeBron's only been blocked nine times. I saw that on, uh, I saw that on the internet. No, I think I actually saw that stat and I saw a video debunking that stat. It might be like nine times on a dunk attempt in the regular season, I think is what it ended up being. Uh, but yeah, something like that. I heard that stat around there. I did see that. I did see that video on your Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Okay, so. that's where you. Okay, yeah, we're, we're we're singing the same song. Yeah, here. we are. I was just, you know, just you just wanted me to talk about LeBron James. Yeah, I have like a a, a novel prepared on uh, Steph Curry versus LeBron James. That I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna write and leave it in a closet somewhere. It's funny because for those of you guys that don't know Mackenzie, he's well prepared and he has a he has a lot of ammunition. So if you ever try to go at him with something, just <laughs> be prepared that that Mackenzie's ready. All right, so you guys got our first quarter bet. You got our fourth quarter bet. Uh, Mackenzie and I looking at some totals in there. Let's talk about a player here about Boston's Williams. And I and I don't want to go ahead and give out a wager, but I do want to talk about some of the thoughts that we have, some of the concepts that we think that that we kind of stumbled upon that we believe that may may or may not come true. So Mackenzie, I might need your help with this one a little bit, helping me explain this. But I think Williams is going to be rested for certain games. And I think the game that he's going to be needed the least is going to be in Boston for game three. So we know one thing about Williams. When he's rested, he plays better. And when they're looking at pushing him you know, multiple games in a row or even two games in a row throughout these playoffs, uh, he's stumbled. He hasn't been great. So I believe they really look to rest him in spots. And I think his rest games are going to be one, three, and five. And I think his push games to go out there and play – are going to be two, four, six, and obviously game seven if if there is a game seven. So I'm looking at his under right now for game number three. I think that is a wager that we want to go ahead and we want to take a look at. We want to consistently watch. As soon as the lines come out for that, we want to go ahead and look at his under. 
And I think the easiest way for us to identify if he's not going to be pushed in that game is if he's pushed in game two and not pushed as much in game one. So I think that that's kind of a concept that we came up with. Let's keep an eye on Williams. I believe that there could be a zigzag theory with him, McKenzie. Not sure if you agree with that, but if game three is the game where he is rested the most, then I believe that we can zigzag and we can start picking off some player props. Yes, totally agree with that. Uh, We saw this coming out of the Heat series, and what's good about betting big man props is much more than guards or forwards, their minutes are variable. They could play 20 minutes, they could play 35 minutes, and especially when you have a pain tolerance issue like this where it's not that he's playing – it's not that he can't play through the pain. It's that he's not playing well sometimes when when it, when he you know isn't feeling right. We saw that in Game 7. He played 15 minutes. He didn't have it. But he's played his best by far when he had that 10-day break in the middle of the playoffs, missed four games, came back, played 28 minutes, had his best point performance, had his best rebound performance. That was Game 1 against the Heat. They ended up losing, but he had a pretty decent game for his standards. I think uh, there may be an all-in game coming up. But it's not going to be game one, so I agree with you. I lean to his unders. I think even though we've had a little bit of break and that should help him, Ime Adoke is going to be making that decision 48 minutes. He's going to be thinking, uh, is this the time to get Williams back in or should we get Williams out of here? So that makes it a great bet. Whenever there's information, which is a coach's thought process, I mean, it might not be written down somewhere, but it is information, uh, you can gain access to that information. I think we should track that. All right, well, thanks for helping me button that up a little bit. So we'll be looking at Williams. Uh, certainly throughout this entire series. All right, so there's one player prop knocked out of the way. Mackenzie, do you have a player prop, or are you looking at another total or something else? What do you got? Yes, I love this bet. Draymond Green under 8.5 points. And I talked earlier about how the Celtics are a switchy defense. They're the most switchy defense, uh, many analysts will tell you. Warriors are, by the way, up there. But what does that mean? Well, there's not really a word for what anti-switch defenses are. Uh, Most people just call it traditional defense, traditional pick and roll defense. You fight over the screen. When you have a bunch of guys that are uh, about 6'6", 6'7", Jalen Brown, or Horford's not a towering guy either. He's about 6'9", Jason Tatum. uh, It doesn't really matter who's on who at any given time. So you can save time. You can save critical milliseconds by not having to fight over a screen, just saying, hey, uh, two guys come together, whoever you're closest to at the end of that crossing of paths, uh, take them. So the Celtics do that as much as anybody in the NBA. What does that mean? That means they don't have to double quite as much because they uh, don't have to worry about you know blitzing a, a screen before it happens. They can just say, okay, let's switch it. Draymond Green, historically, when Curry's been there, and even if you, th- you throw the Curry without Curry games out there, against the Celtics, Cur- uh, Green doesn't shoot and he doesn't score. This year, he played one game, he scored four points. In 2021, he scored, he played two games, averaged four and a half points. In 2020, he scored 10 points, 10 points per game in two games. All right, that's over this prop. We don't like that. Dig into the numbers, though, or dig into the box scores, rather. What was different about 2020 Warriors and every other year? Oh, yeah, Steph Curry wasn't there. That's the gravity. That's it in a nutshell, that Green has to shoot more. A guy that's not good at shooting scored, you know, shot seven times per game and scored 10 points uh, because the Celtics were playing a Warriors team that didn't have Steph Curry. 2019, go back another year, scored five points a game in two games. Add it all together, when Curry's been there, last five years, four and a half points per game for Green, about half this number, only 5.8 shots per per game. The Celtics are going to stay home, 
And they're not going to say, they're not going to give, they might give Green six feet of space. They're not going to give him the 20 feet of space that uh, other teams that don't switch as much often have to. So love this matchup for Green to go under his eight and a half point total. Love this bet. I guess I could play devil's advocate a little bit, but I'm going to have to rely on you to tell me if I'm, maybe if I'm right or wrong. I think a lot of it's series based and I think it really depends on, on the team that he's playing. Go back to Denver. I think he went over in four out of five games. or Actually, he went over three out of five now that I'm looking at it. In the Dallas series, he went over four out of five. But in the Memphis series, he was under five out of six. So I do believe that that it has something to do with the teams that he's playing. And when he can go out there and be the distributor or the rebounder, Draymond's not looking to go ahead and shoot. And I think in game one, McKenzie, I think the reason why I would be on your side rather than against it is that Draymond's not going to go out there and look to go ahead and shoot the basketball. He doesn't need to be the scorer on the team. He needs to get everybody going earlier on in this series. So uh, I think he's more of a distributor, more of a menace on defense, you know, out there trying to body up, get as many rebounds as he can, as many steals as possible. And he looks to distribute the basketball and not be a score. The devil's advocate part is this, is that if, Let's just say they double Curry. The one player that you're going to leave open alone on the Warriors is probably going to be Draymond. So my only concern is that maybe he gets a couple open looks. That's it. But if they don't double Curry, I think you have a high probability to go ahead and hit this wager because Draymond's not going to go out there and look to be super aggressive shooting the basketball. That's just it's not that's not his game and and that's really not what he does. Another devil's advocate argument might be, you know, NBA Finals. He scored, you know, four more points per game than his career. I'm not, I'm not sure he's he's that same guy that he was in 2016. First of all, to your point, they might double him, but it's a game of odds. They might double Curry for four possessions in a row, and Green might get two open threes. But every team does that. It's how how often do you do that? And the Celtics switch more than anybody else, double less than anybody else. So. You know, if he goes three for three from three, I'm beat. But I'm going to say that was a great bet, you know. So it's a game of odds, and I do like this bet a lot. Eight and a half under. I think that he actually, you know, looking at the Memphis series, like I said, maybe it's based on, you know, what team he's playing. If it's if it looks anywhere near, you know, the Memphis series where he went under five out of six games, maybe we can continue to go ahead and consistently bet him under if they if they just don't move his, you know, move his point total. I think that, th- that there's an opportunity of that. Yes, kind of the opposite of that, but the same was game, uh, series one, round one, I should say. Jokic was just playing completely different, and his assist props, it didn't go under game five, but the first four games, it was like two and a half under, just because it was playing style. The, Celt- the Warriors, in this case, weren't doubling. They were saying, hey, Draymond Green, you best defender in basketball, arguably against Jokic, just go guard him one-on-one. So Jok- Jokic had a different task than he had against most teams. Like you said, this is matchup-based oftentimes. So if this hits in game one, there's there's a there's a strong possibility I'll be interested in game two if they don't adjust it too much. All right, well, good stuff on that. Uh, you and I we have we have a crazy prop, so we have a pizza bet prop. I don't know if you want to get into that or if you have any other props on your sheet. I'll just say real quick, I mentioned this on last pod, so I won't repeat myself, but I still like Warriors third quarter. You can get that minus one and a half. I like a little better. It's close. The minus one forty on the money line. Warriors by far historically. Best team to bet on in the third quarter. All right. So with that said, McKenzie, could we go ahead and get into our crazy prop here? Let's do it. This is going to hit, man. This is insane the odds they put out on this. 
All right. So Mackenzie and I were going through and we're, and we're making a sausage today and we're, we're texting and we're talking and I'm looking through some stats and I said, look at this and tell me what you think about this. And he goes through and he, he's looking at it and he's like, this is wild. And the prop that we found was Jordan Poole game one point leader. Mackenzie, what were the odds that, that the sports books were offering on Jordan Poole to be the game one point leader? You can get this at DraftKings at 55 to 1. Put a little context on that. His consensus finals MVP odds is 30 to 1. But just to be the one game points leader, 55 to 1 odds. All right. So that might sound crazy, but let's go back to what Poole has done against Boston. He scored, what was it, McKenzie, like 30 points or something like that? The one game they played against Boston this year? Now, Curry was hurt the second half, so that factor in that some, but he didn't play that many minutes, and he was the leading scorer in the game, actually. The last time these two teams played, Poole scored 29 points on only 20 shots and was the leading scorer in the game. So it happened the last time out, and now it's 55-1. to one. All right, so we have that in our back pocket, that he's played Boston, leading scorer in the game. We do have to subtract Curry for a half. Okay, cool. And so let's look at the playoffs for Jordan Poole in game one. Well, in the Denver series, he scored 30 points. He was a leading scorer not only for the Warriors, but he was a leading scorer for the game. Now, this is a leading scorer for the game prop. In game one against Memphis, he put up 31 points. John Morant put up 34, but still leading scorer for the Warriors in that game. In the Dallas series, game one, Curry scored 21 points. He was a leading scorer for the Warriors. Jordan Poole was second right behind him at 19 points and that game was a blowout no big deal but something's going on mckenzie i think with pool in game one i don't know if they're game planning different like i mentioned before maybe they're trying to disguise some of the things that they're doing with clay curry wiggins and and pool but it seems like pool is getting more run in game one and i believe that that's not by coincidence i believe that's by design so we're going to go ahead. We're going to play him a pizza bet, guys. Where This is what we're thinking. We're going to go ahead. We'll play Poole to be the leading scorer in game one at 55-1. to one. The odds seem crazy for all the stats that we uncovered. So we already lit Boston up for a ton of points. Game one against Denver lit him up. Game one against Memphis lit him up. And game one against Dallas, he was the second leading scorer on the Warriors. So it seems like there's something there, McKenzie. Not sure if we have anything else to throw on top, but this is a crazy bet that you and I found. And this podcast wouldn't be right if we didn't do something crazy. I don't even. I mean, I think it's crazy that the line is out there. I think putting this out as a bet is is strong. Put two pet pizza bets on it. Only reason I wouldn't make it a best bet is because you know the limits are low. You can't really get what I would consider best bet money on it. But I think this might win, man. I mean, he's scoring twenty seven points per game for his career, obviously in three game ones. And you talked about the reasoning behind that. I think pool is the last thing you account for. You come into a series thinking, how are we going to stop Curry? Uh, how are we going to limit Thompson? And then it, and then it comes to pool. Like, okay, he's on the bench. He's playing against bench players. All right, I guess we're just going to see how it goes. And the Celtics, like I said earlier, have a lot of experience with Garden Curry and trying to figure it out. Garden Thompson. This is like a new ingredient. This is not something that most coaches have a lot of experience with. Even teams that have kept, you know, their intact. Uh, I guess they have a new coach, but the same culture. Brad Stevens obviously still at the helm. So I think this makes a lot of sense, man. I do. I do. I think this is an excellent bet, man. I think there's like a 10% chance this wins, and it's 55 to 1. All right. Well, we'll go ahead. We'll give it hell, McKenzie. We'll go ahead and we'll give it a shot. I think one thing about Poole, 
with this particular team is he's like he's the band aid. He's the you know he's the he's the big wad of gum that you're going to stick in that hole in the side of the pool because when Wiggins is struggling, he's there to he's there to fill in. When Clay might be struggling, he's there to fill in. Same thing with Curry or anybody on that team. Pool's the band aid. If if one guy's struggling, he's going to come in and say, "I got you." I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can to go ahead and make sure that we don't drop off in any way. And in many cases, you know, he goes out there and, and he plays really well. So uh, I don't know what to expect from him in game one. I think he'll be very good. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump into my best bet. And let's take everything that McKenzie and I just talked about, about how good pool has been in game one. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to recommend for my best bet that we go ahead and we bet Jordan Poole over 15 and a half points in game one. And that is my best bet. So let's not rehash all the stuff that we just talked about. We gave you all the numbers. They're very strong. Uh, Poole is on this team for a reason. This team arguably might not be here right now. They certainly probably wouldn't have finished with the seating that they were at without Jordan Poole. This dude has made a big, big difference. And I think he's going to make a big difference, not only in this game, but I believe throughout this entire series. I think this number is wrong. The market looks like it's trying to bend him under, and that's fine because they're they're looking at Tatum and they're looking at Brown. They're looking at Curry. They're looking at Clay. Those are the players that they're looking at. They're not looking at Jordan Poole right now. And McKenzie and I, we're going to go ahead and we're going to attack him. So my best bet, Jordan Poole over 15.5 points in game one. And we're, we're getting a little crazy with Jordan Poole. We think he might be – uh, the leading scorer game one at 55 to one. I like it a lot, man. It's excellent research, excellent analysis. And just think about it like this. the Okay, his first game in the NBA Finals, very first time he stepped foot on the playoff court. One of the best performances out of a new guy. And by the way, that game one out of a new guy in the playoffs, that game one line before we knew that, that Poole was going to be a playoff player and do things in game one and be the leading scorer for the Warriors, several game ones, his prop was 18 and a half game one of that Nuggets series. So this is three points less, even though he's proven this already. I get the totals a little bit lower. I don't get this number. I think it's about three points low. Uh, I get the Celtics defense is better, but he's proven that he's an NBA playoff performer and that teams kind of leave him open game ones. I love the fact that the Boston defense is actually better because I think that that gives them the opportunity to bring him in because they space the floor so much. It, when When he's on the floor – the better defenses tend to struggle and tend to try to, you know, gravitate towards Curry or gravitate towards Clay. He opens up the floor so much, and I think that he's going to be the one guy, along with maybe Draymond, um, that the, that they give a little bit of space to, probably too much space, and and pull from outside. I mean, we've seen what he's done, you know, coming down the stretch of the regular season and throughout the playoffs. The guy's been deadly, so uh, that's my best bet. I like that one a lot. But that'll wrap up the podcast, guys. Hopefully, you guys got all the wagers that you need. Uh, not sure when Mackenzie and I will go ahead and circle back. We got a couple day break here before game two, so uh, I'll talk with Mackenzie. Hopefully, uh, if we hit the fifty-five to one, I'll tell you what we'll we'll do a podcast for game two. No doubt, right? We'll, we'll, <laughs> we will be pounding our chest. That's for damn sure. So you guys know where to get us on Twitter: SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mackenzie Rivers. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Go over to pregame.com. Get myself, get McKenzie, get Fezzik, get everybody over there. MLB20, that's the coupon code. You can save 20% on any sport. Make sure you guys go over there and support everybody that does all this hard work here, especially the guys on the podcast. But that'll wrap it up, guys. We'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the NBA Finals. Enjoy the games. <laughs>